What's going down? Dr. Drill with the Making Motivation Podcast coming to you on this Sunday. Beautiful 73 degrees on this Sunday, the 15th of August, 2021. Uh, heading back from Lowe's here. Got to pick up some items there for a little home improvement needs. Bunch of freaks out here, of course. Heading home to do some wood carving. Got to make some progress on this bridge keeper, you know what I'm saying, I'm saying, made a pot of sauce last night, a, uh, a little like a marinara, it's a little chunky, I like it, sauteed, had the kids enlisted their help, and uh, sauteed some garlic, some onions, threw a little can of tomato paste in there, some other canned stuff, even a uh, starter of a premium uh, jar sauce, bunch of basil, some bay leaves, sorted spices, a couple spoonfuls of sugar, spoons full of sugar, you know, because it helps the medicine go down. And that sucker sat for hours just cooking off. Now it's got some chunks, mostly. Oh, I put some zucchini in there too, but mostly uh, zucchini and the onions, minced them up. I like how it's a little chunky. I was thinking about maybe using a uh, an immersion blender just to, well, blend it up really finely. And I figured, you know what, I'd like to have a little chunk in my fucking sauce. My sauce. So, let's see what we got. Okay, I have some thoughts this morning on Afghanistan. I'm no expert history or military or any of that stuff, but I have a point of view. I know some people who, uh, you know, I served in the Marines for four years. Trained for combat, never went. know a lot of people who did, who made a career out of military service. And uh, many of whom, like a buddy of mine asked me for my opinion yesterday, so I'm going to give, expound upon it here. Um, of course, I remember uh, 9-11 and our response to it went into Iraq, right? So that was a, a faux pas, a dumb move, because we went after the wrong bad guys. Even though, you know, most politicians in the American military and perhaps most Americans see that part of the world um, as different other villains, animals even, you know, most people are waking up, I think, hopefully to the reality that we're all human beings and just because somebody practices a different religion or lives in a different part of the world or their eyes look fucking squinty versus round versus skin pigments, that we're all got the same problems, same challenges, same dreams same wants in this world, but some people want a little bit too much, and they get some power, and they start fucking throwing it around, and we have this huge debate about, you know, good versus evil policies across nations, across the world, borders, all this stuff, resources that uh, we then fight over, so I, it's quite the ball of wax, yes, yes, 
But a buddy asked me yesterday, what do I think? People are questioning the Biden administration. Should they have stayed? Should they have gone? Should they have done things differently? Now, it seems to me that there is a little bit of a, and he was even um, posited or asserted by a, an Afghan warlord, politician, whatever. Last name, guys, last name of the guy was Noor. And he said that it was a conspiracy to basically, once America left, everybody, just the Taliban's going to take over. They're far too powerful. We can't hold them and hold all this ground. Maybe we don't want to hold them. Maybe it's exhausting. Maybe we wanted the help of the, uh, the U.S. and allies, but then when they stayed for 20 years and embedded within our communities and our country and just how that complicates things. That does make enemies. I mean, Sun Tzu, in his Art of War, he talked about this. You don't occupy foreign countries for long. If you go into battle, you accomplish your mission, you get out as soon as you can, because otherwise you get stuck in there, you get become part of that equation. And that's a big deal, man. That that can cause problems for society, especially when we start to struggle at home. Right? What what do we do? Who do we help? Where do we what's our priority? So my friend, also a former Marine, he feels like, you know, Biden's screwing up and you know, you, you should hold Kabul and Somebody else said you should kill every, even a politician, I think, said uh, you should kill every Taliban fighter in the vicinity of Kabul. Just fucking one last ditch effort. I even mentioned that yesterday. It was maybe more of a gut reaction. To keep what we have, you know, I think the tendency is for us, if we've taken that hill, we want to keep it. Like, we sacrificed a lot. We worked hard to take this hill. So we can't just give it up. We can't just give it away. We can't just give it back to the people that we've been fighting for 20 years. And I understand that, and I feel that way myself sometimes. But war is hell, man. I, I think to the American warfighter, the common man and woman who uh, gets deployed and um, goes out and and you know does the you know gets boots on the ground and does the work of fighting and dying and taking hills and patrolling and just all that work. I too would be wondering for what you know why are we doing this? Is this worth it? You know, what seemed like the right response to a terrible terrorist attack on our our country was an appropriate response, right? Fucking kill thousands of people, innocent people. We're going to go after them. Bin Laden, you know, runs the Taliban and ISIS. We're going to fucking kill him. And so what happens in the aftermath of that? We, we do that, we, we kill that guy, which is highly symbolic, kill a bunch of others, 
now we got other uh, fights to wage, wars to wage, um, meddling to do here, there, and everywhere. Again, all trying to, hopefully it's all a giant chess game that people that are far higher above our pay grade understand what's going on. You can only, because there's only so much we can control, right? So for me to have a really strong opinion on something like Afghanistan... I should be privy to certain information. Like people are saying, oh, this administration is a disgrace. You can't leave people in embassies and can't re- redeploy troops. And there's a right and wrong way to do this. Well, I'm sure that were, mistakes were made in this process. You know, we're going to see because there's going to be constant barrages of news about Afghanistan and how this you know, what was going on behind the scenes and the politics within Afghanistan and when Americans leave. I'm sure that they've been deliberating for a very long time and negotiating. And, you know, when the Americans leave, what are we going to do, guys? Because we're powerful. Uh, you know, Taliban, let's say, we have overwhelming uh, firepower. Uh, we're going to take things back. We want things back and we want to take, you know, what are we going to do? Because we need to live here. Something along those lines, right? And what is the... Uh, so what are the, the negotiations ongoing above the pay grade of the common man or the common battlefield you know, pawn? Is that this seems to be... Uh, talk about a conspiracy, this Noor guy. Basically, it seems like something out of Braveheart where you enlist, everybody says, hey, we got a pact, we're going to fight together against the against the king, and we're going to, you know, we're, we're on the same side, right? And then, when push came to shove, they're like, you know what? My people are tired of sacrificing. You're going to leave us alone, right? You're going to, you know, you rule these lands, but, you know, we, we have the, the right to do whatever, you know, or give me power, allow me to retain my power, my province, and I will, this is agreeable sort of thing, you know what I mean? It's egg on our face, right? It's a major slight to any well-meaning efforts that we might have had in mind, right? It's a major slight to any of those ambitions that we had that were pure, I'm giving credit here, you know, without knowing for sure. What is the purity? What is what are, of our ambitions? Are we doing things for the right reasons? We trying to avenge this terrible terrorist attack and send a, ma- a message: Hey, we need to keep these Taliban at bay, or they're gonna. It's gonna be another perpetual training ground for outlaws and bad guys that we're going to have to go back there and kill, you know. It sucks, but it seems to me typical. I would be asking myself, though, as any military uh, personnel these days, I'd be thinking, why the fuck would I sign up for that? For somebody, am I okay with resigning my cognition, my free will to, to a purpose, to a somebody else's agenda, their ideal, 
I mean, I did that. I was young, dumb, and full of cum. And that's how they get people to do this sort of stuff, because, like, ah, I love America. Nationalism, yeah, we got to protect the world from the bad guys. The world depends upon us. Doing the right thing, fight for right and freedom, and to keep our honor clean. And I love that notion, still. I would still fight for that. But I was a foolish boy. Because you look at what these people, our leaders, have done to the world, to our country. Now we're fighting each other. We're all at odds with one another. And that's terrible, you know? Why would I want to fight elsewhere if we have all this strife that's ongoing here in America? It's like we don't have the time. I don't have the I'd love to go kick their ass. I'd love them for the be, be the bad guy, but right now we gotta figure out how to get through the coronavirus or, you know, band together and get people vaccinated and and keep our economy going and make sure we have, you know, all of our our families and our, the taxpayers in the United States make sure that they've got that they're stable. Because how the fuck can you worry about other shit if you if you can't if your own problems aren't solved? So I would ask anybody who would join the military today, is it worth it? Is my sacrifice justified by the mission, by the you know, a lot of people felt like it was after 9-11. And so they went, and they, well-meaning, they went over there, they kicked everybody's ass like we always do. We have resources, we have great training, we have dedicated soldiers. We're smart, we're technologically advanced. We got a crazy budget, we're going to go over there and fucking kill everybody. But we're big and clunky. And once we move in one direction, it's almost impossible to turn around. It's like that with many things, but this is a great example of how life can be like that, you know, the military. Once that, that to turn a warship around, to turn a, uh, I've shared this before, but a naval vessel, let's say an aircraft carrier, say somebody falls off an aircraft carrier, or a piece of equipment is dropped, you don't turn that boat around, you can't. Because just to stop, just to slow or change course slightly, that aircraft carrier is burning incredible amounts of fuel. Pause. Huh! All right, pick my mommy girl up. We'll go down the creek real quick. So, let's see what we got here. All right, so, yeah, to, to, to stop a, a freaking war fighting force when it's got momentum is fucking virtually impossible. You don't turn the aircraft carrier around. Like drop a little boat off the side, 
smaller boats will deploy to do whatever, fulfill a mission. But these things are so gigantic, it's just not how it works. We used to do man overboard drills with our uh, USS Ponce, six months I floated around the Atlantic, the Mediterranean, the Black Sea on the ship. And if man overboard happened, that's what they do. They take this, uh, throw a diver overboard, and they have a crane drop a uh, Zodiac boat over the side, and they slow down, and they do different things. There's also an evasive maneuver drill they would do, and it's a fucking gigantic boat. It's not moving fast. So, hopefully you get my point. How, how about a locomotive? It takes a while to stop. You know, you need prime miles to stop a huge cargo train or something like that. And hence the phrase runaway train because you go down a hill or something like that. It's so much power, so much force, so much physics to stop it is almost impossible. So that's what happens when you're part of the military machine today. You ain't stopping. You're going over there and you're fucking packing your gear up you're locking and loading and you're going to destroy or kill something or you're going to walk around aimlessly and deploy and suffer in the heat and the cold and the with bullets raining down and people that despise you even though they don't know you they just know that you're there right I saw little snippets of this while I served pulled into Morocco and the people in Morocco were they were interested in us, they were intrigued, they were wearing friggin t-shirts and shorts running around in, in uh, flip-flops. And these folks they would come up and they would ask the Marines for their chocolate from their MREs. They just wanted our chocolate and they were willing to trade off hash, some sort of refined marijuana product, right? And then we'd let them get closer and hang out with them, give them some chocolate. Next thing you know, they were trying to steal your gear. Or they were making trouble. And the kids would come down and make trouble in the, uh... Try to steal our shit. Hold on, Mo. Momi will take a shit right in the middle of a path. It's fucked up. She'll take a shit right in the middle of the friggin' path. Ridiculous. Anyway, so they wanted nothing to do with us and everything to do with us simultaneously. And after the, they took what they wanted from us, they got a little piece of chocolate from a meal ready to eat. They started fucking with us. They saw that they could evoke a response. 
put these turds out of the fucking path with my nasty ass dog. Jesus. So, I don't know if you hear those cicadas still out and about. So my point is, these people don't want us there, man. They hate us. They loved us. They'll greet you. We'll be greeted as uh, liberators and all that stuff. That's true. They'll greet us as liberators, and then six months later, they'll be like, oh, okay, hey, guys, thanks for the help. Now, really, you can go home. A year later, they're like, hey, hey, guys, uh, appreciate that job that you gave me cleaning up around your, uh, your base. Become a government contractor. I'm digging this American life. This is awesome, but I still hate you on some level, and you don't believe as I do, and... Our girls think they like your shiny uniforms and walk around here, your rich boy, big shots. I wish you'd go home, but I do appreciate this income. It's great, man. Changed my life. I got all this disposable income. I got my quality of life for my family skyrocketed six months later. Hey, you guys fucking killed one of my friends out on patrol, you know. Wait a second, I thought that that was the enemy. Well, he is, but he's also my cousin. Shit like that, man. This is all stuff from books and movies. So I don't, I don't have much more perspective. But I do have a little bit of a... Not regret, but... A perspective of having... You know, this could be possible. It would be possible that I could have gone over to one of these countries and lost my life or, or limb, lost buddies, lost my mind, and come back all fucked up. And then I, sure, I'd be pissed off right about now. Oh, I went over there and, you know, left precious days of my life when I could have been home living my life and loving my family and building a career, doing something productive. It's like a it's like it wasn't worth your time sort of thing, you know? The risks you took so that all so that this could happen, you know? So out the window goes this whole um, American warfighter dream uh, uh, scenario premise that you're doing all this for some sort of noble cause, which is not the case a lot of the time. You're doing something that somebody else tells you to do because you signed away on some philosophy that you're going to, you know, there's never, you know, never do they talk anything, they talk about all the responsibilities you have to them. You get, you're sworn in and, you know, sign your life away, so to speak. But rarely do you hear the, uh, your fearless leaders talk about how they would never squander your service. So I guess the message I would have is don't don't squander my service. 
if you have a mission, you have no short number of people who would love to sign on and go and fight for something that they believe in. Just make sure that that's something that they believe in, that there's some some meat to it, that there's some some sense to it. Because forever, soldiers have been sent into battle by politicians who don't give a fuck. They're not going to have to make the sacrifices. Their kids aren't going to be fighting in there. And gone are the days where those politicians are going to be taking up position on the front lines. Leading the battle. It doesn't happen anymore. They wisened up. They're like, wait a second. I don't need to do this. You do this. You get out there and, you know, live on the, you know, sleep on the ground and, you know, uh, do all this grueling training in which you're risking your life. Deploy away from your family. Get paid some meager but living wage. You know, you do that. You make those sacrifices. I'm, I'm cool right here. I'll let you know what we need from you, though. So, it's seen, I'm sure it's always been the same. Goddamn Hell's Angels going by. I'm sure it's always been the same, but... There's a lot of young men and women, mostly young men, going out there that are doing the bidding and, you know, kind of just sucking up and realize, hey, this is, this is just the way it is, right? I sign up. Yeah, I can't wait. And you come home and you shine your uniform and maybe it gets you laid and maybe you have some great experiences like me where you travel all over the world and you get all this experience that you'll later use to, uh, you'll later repurpose I don't know, run an exercise program or teach people from a civilian lessons from a warfighter's point of view. Up and in, Mo. Come on. Good girl. Okay. So there's that lesson again, or that, that the title of this podcast is going to be, Don't Squander My Service. I got to say, I'll say it again, just as a disclaimer. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about necessarily. There's policy experts and people who spend entire careers in the military, enlisted and officer. I do know that, you know... We are often inclined to jump to simple conclusions about complex issues. And Afghanistan is one of them. So my conclusion is essentially you got to leave sometime. It's not good to occupy foreign lands. You're going to 
earn the distrust and the hatred of the common people. And if you don't do that, if everybody doesn't hate you by the time these decades are over, they're going to miss you when you're gone. You'll have spoiled this society, you'll have set up an imbalance, and they're going to go, yeah, it won't take much for them to fall back into their old ways. Tribal ways, very, very old ways. 20 years ain't shit. For thousands of years, these people have been living like this. I don't know, I'm no expert on their culture, but they clearly, you know, have a preference as to the way they live and worship and function as a society, and it's nothing like in the West. It's not anything we could ever understand or would want to understand. So what do we do? I don't know. I can tell you this right now, though. I will not be um, encouraging my children to follow in my footsteps and join the Marine Corps. As wonderful of an organization as I found it to be, as, you know, the tremendous opportunities it afforded me and the lessons that I walked away from it, they'll have to come to me. I got it written all over me. It's in my blood. So, if they want to ask some questions about it, I'll give them the best freaking possible explanation of the whole deal and hit them with some ups and downs and high points and low points and sacrifices they'll be expected to make and so on and so forth, you know, but it'll definitely be an honest, an honest assessment, I think would be requisite, not capable of anything else. Okay, everybody have a good week, I'll talk to you guys tomorrow.